Okay, okay, all right, we are here. Um, I've got Arama Rata, a Ma independent Maori researcher. I've got Carl Za, uh, host of the Silk and Steel podcast. Arama is the host of a future podcast as well. We have begun our campaign to make her a podcaster as well. Um, and we have so much to do, you guys. We have so much to do. But Carl, before we do anything, I, we have to hear about your trip to Russia. You went... Putin um, personally financed your trip to Russia. <laughs> he um, he he told he he gave you the Kremlin talking point. He kept he updated you on all the Kremlin talking points to add to the CCP talking points that you usually engage with. How was that? What was that like? I, 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 it's great to be a double agent. I tell you, you get the double the pay. <laughs> Were you paid in rubles? Were you paid in rubles? The ruble. Uh, the and, and I can tell you, uh, and I can tell you how I survived the Prigozhin coup in Moscow. Oh I was, there. <laughs> I was there on that day. I, I, have to I woke you up. Should, you had to get one of those T-shirts. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have my wife print that shirt. Actually, now that's a good idea. I'm gonna have that's my rich. wife make that shirt. You yes. Do, yeah, like one of your selfies, one of your Moscow selfies, and then like that, and the caption is like, "I survived the Prigozhin coup, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." I might find Good that. idea. I could, I could wear that. I could wear that to to work one day, and just see what happens to me. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah. what was that? You were on TV. You were on Russian Russia Today a lot. I went to their studio in Moscow because they, um, you know, they they invited me before. Um, before my trip, and I told them, oh, I'm, my schedule is going to be tight, but I'm going to be Moscow cause, because I, I'm, I'm traveling to Moscow. They're like, oh, come down to our studio, and uh, we'll send a car to pick you up at your hotel. I'm like, okay, great. And so I got to see how the all the whole Putin propaganda machine works from the yeah. inside. Um, no, it's great. It's great. Uh, they're very professional. And on the so on the day I was supposed to go to on the my second, I, I went on RT like three times. But my second interview on the day I was scheduled to go, I woke up uh, around I think six thirty in the morning because I was still on Indonesian time, and then I got I woke up to text message from my cousins, from my friends. You know, from my yeah. cousins in China. Yeah, yeah, from all my friends in U.S. all asking, oh, Carl, are you safe? Are you okay? I, I'm like, Moscow is a very safe city, you know? I, I, don't, I feel very safe. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's a coup. I'm like, what? There's a coup? They're like, yeah, there's, have you even heard the Wagner launching a coup? I'm like, wait, wait, wait. There's so many internet rumors, you know. Let me let me verify some facts first, right? You guys probably heard some wild rumors on the internet. And then I got I got on Twitter. I had to get on VPN because Twitter is blocked in Russia, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and then I saw, okay, oh my God, there is a coup going on. And then the second thing I tried to find out where is it taking place because people are saying like there's tanks in Moscow. I'm like, what? And and then uh, I saw somebody say, hey, relax, you know, people, this happened at Rostov on the Don, which is 13 hours drive from Moscow. So I'm like, phew, okay, okay. And then uh, just to make sure, I, I was in my, uh, the 11th floor hotel lounge, and then they have a little balcony area that overlooks the Kremlin and the Red Square. 
So I went went to the balcony area. I took a little short video. Um, everything seems normal. There's there's not that many people because it was Saturday at seven o'clock. Uh, but there's no tanks, no no army personnel. So, you know, there, you can see, still see tourists who who woke up early, still walking around. You know, the in front of the Red Square area. So I'm like, okay, so there's no need to panic. And the the Russian today people, they still arrive to pick me up. Originally, I was supposed to talk about. Um, you know, some something related to China. I think maybe Blinken trip or something. And and instead, they want me to comment on Progoshin coup. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll try to give my two cents. But I, I try to talk to the RT staff, and yeah. most of them seem pretty calm. So I'm like, okay, they're they're not they're not panicking yet. So I, I don't need to panic. And <laughs> And then I, you know, after I figure out where the, uh, and right after that, the Putin gave his speech, official yeah. speech, and um, they they show me the full English translation. So I'm like, okay, well, it's uh, it's pretty obvious that the the, the 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 you know Putin already turned turn it, call it a treason, call it a coup, and and the the dude is still like 13 hours away from Moscow. So you know, I gave my spiel. I say, you know, like. They asked me how I think about precaution. I'm like, look, that's not the way I would do it. You know, I would I would sneak into Moscow under the cover of darkness. By the time I'm sitting in the Kremlin, I'm going to announce some change in management. Right. I'm not going to do it 13 hours away from Moscow when I have to cross a whole stretch of open terrains without air support. Right. And, and then, um, you know, so I thought everything is fine. Um, I, and after that, my tour guide, everybody, some very calm. So we went to see a concert that evening. Um, we went to see. <laughs> can I just say? I, can I just say, as far as coups go, I'd say like the trucker convoy and the 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 protest that you that we talked about last time, Adam, might have been a bit better organized than Prigozhin's coup. <laughs> uh, uh, you at know, least they were already, my... at least they were already in the capital. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like the, uh, the people. I mean, people were going nuts on Twitter, right? I mean, there's like a Twitter space that Elon Musk uh, tweeted tweeted out, and all these armchair generals in 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 U.S. are talking about oh regime change, you know, like uh, you know Putin is. There, there's even there's rumor like Putin already seek political asylum in Turkey oh, yeah. Uh, or, or <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys are crazy. He's, you know, like, Turkey. I just right there across the oh, me. You know, will, like I, Putin will never take us. And uh, yeah, and I, it, it just uh, it, it was just so ridiculous how people who uh, and that's why I realized all these reporters on the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC. None of them are like even eight within 800 kilometers of Moscow, you know, like all are either reporting from from like Latvia or Kiev, you know, oh, yeah. and, and so yeah. a great opportunity. For me. I, I went down to the because my hotel is really close to Red Square. So I went down the stairs, went to Red Square, took a selfie photo of myself and make a short video. So I like, hi, that's going to be on the T-shirt. <laughs> I, I'm Paul and I'm live at the Red Square. <laughs> and there's like a bunch of down. And like there's a bunch of Russian tourists and there's like Chinese Indian tourists all walking around, you know. So it's it's a 
Yeah, like I say, everybody just took it very easy. I talked to a Russian man in the hotel. He's like, "Don't worry, it's just、uh, like some people in the top fighting over." You know, we Russian people are used to it. Things will blow over in a week. You know, and he was more excited talk to talk about his coming trip to China to go see Shanghai. So, and he said, he said, he said you, "You look, look at this hotel. You see all these people running around like." If there's a real danger, all these people will be gone. You know, like they're all rushing out the door, right? See, like right now, it's not it's not a problem. So, so I went to see a Russian concert. I went to see the Russian、uh, folklore choir uh, play. Um, it, it was played under the basement of a cathedral in the in the.、Uh, it's a new cathedral that built after the、uh, collapse of Soviet Union and. It was great. Right after the the end of the concert, around 9 p.m. in the evening, my tour guide said, "Oh, I I received received a message. It says there was a negotiation and the situation has been resolved. Prigozhin is going to Belarus." I was like, "Okay." That that was、um, when I posted my RT interview on YouTube. Some of the comments says. Carl's Carl's last podcast lasts longer than this coup. You know? <laughs> That's right. They do. They do.、Um, okay. 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 We should pivot. Oh, do you, unless you have. Do you have? A, do you have? You want? You want to say more? No. That that that's my harrowing experience in the Moscow. Well, in that case, like Obama, we're gonna pivot to Asia. Huh? See what I did、that's... there? You guys see what I did there? Because、um, <laughs> we're, we, you know, I I wanted to gather our three minds together to address the problem of you know containing China, right? Because that's what that's what we all have in common. Carl is Mr. America, I'm Mr. Canada, and、uh... I'm the only person you know from New Zealand, so I get to be here too. <laughs> But like you're not only the only person I know from New Zealand. You're the only person I know from like New Zealand, Australia, and like you know Oceania, the entire Pacific. So you you get to represent. Yeah, you get to re- represent all the settler colonies of the, the whole region.、Um, so yeah, but like you are doing, you're about to go on a tour. You're about to go on tour. Yeah, we're on ant- tour.、I'm、you're on tour. Airbnb at the moment. Yep. This is a tour. So、yeah. you're on tour against AUKUS. Yes, we are. <laughs> you have taken a stand against AUKUS. We sure have. <laughs> so you are the you are the you are you please please be the you are the resident expert today on AUKUS. So tell us about、uh, give our give our listeners give our listeners your your spiel about AUKUS. Yes. So for those who don't know, AUKUS stands for <laughs> Australia, the UK, and the US, and it's this. Which is unfair. Cool. Unfair to Canada. That's、It、right. We were left out. And then we would be Caucasians or Caucasians. Yeah, because if Canada joined and then New Zealand joined at the end, you'd have Caucasians. Caucasians. So, and that would just be like, yes, just call it what it is, right? <laughs> the Caucasians patch.、Um, so, yeah, yeah, so, okay, um, yes, so New、more. Zealand and, and Canada are both like really salty that we didn't get invited into the big boys club. Um, but New Zealand and Canada are both considering、uh, joining the pact on what's called Pillar Two. So Pillar One is centered around the acquisition of nuclear-propelled submarines.、Um, Pillar Two is being sold to us as a pact to allow us to share information, but it really、um, is one of our speakers on tour last night, Nikki Hager, who's、um, New Zealand's Justin Podor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>、um, Uh, oh God! <laughs> <laughs> that's 
scattered well, brain. Well, okay. The only thing you have in common is that South you're Asian. Part of the... What's that? <laughs> a scattered brain South Asian uh, halfwit. <laughs> no, I actually only said that because you both wrote a book on right. um, our country's participation in in Afghanistan. Okay. All but right, um, all right. <laughs> some people describe him as as New Zealand's best investigative journalist, but I think that's. Ooh too fair, too too gracious and accommodating to other uh, so-called investigative journalists. So I just call him our only investigative journalist. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but what he was really clear about in our event, uh, we had this amazing event at the Samoa House Library in, in Tamaki, Auckland. And um, we had like just representation from like really, really young people who looked like they just got changed out of their school uniform and came to this event, you know, uh, right through to people in their 70s who were really active in the nuclear free and independent Pacific movement in the um, in the 80s, early 80s was kind of the peak. Um, yeah, so we had this lovely exchange, but but Nikki was really, really clear that this is not a, it's actually got nothing to do with information sharing. We're already doing that. What this is, is explicitly a pact to gang up against China, basically, just like the Quad and all of these other alliances that um, the US is busy making. And he, he talked about an, and he like read from documents um, showing that when the US is talking about this on their own, um, it's all about China and the, the, the threat of China and that being the fact that China exists uh, makes it a threat. Um, yeah, so he was kind of cutting through a lot of that, that bullshit. But a lot of people on the streets don't, They've never heard of AUKUS. Um, I think they've intentionally given it a really, really bad name. So people just like switch <laughs> off as soon as they hear it. Um, yeah, so so because not many people have heard about it, but when you start talking to anyone, you talk to anyone about it, whether that's like a kindergarten group, like a group of mums who are from a kindergarten or, you know, just whoever you speak to on the street, as soon as you start talking about it, people get it immediately. They think it's a terrible idea. Um, and so this this speaking tour is all about trying to raise awareness that this is that, that the New Zealand government is thinking about this um, and to make our opposition to this really, really strong. So a couple of things. One is like this was so this is about nuclear submarines being based in Australia, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's what's new about it, because it's like a U.S. and Australia and U.K., being of one mind on foreign policy isn't exactly a stretch, right? Like, no, no <laughs> but it, it's a yeah. big shift. Um, and if you haven't checked out Paul Keating's Press Club uh, interview yeah. on this, please watch it. It will restore your faith in humanity. Um, <laughs> and, Did you see that, Carl? So, so, so uh, go ahead. What's Did your you question? see that? I, wa I want to know if you if you saw that uh, Paul Keating um, press conference that uh, Arama just mentioned. He was kind of like, this is the guy who was like talking about why the New Zealand shouldn't should stay out of it, right? That's, so that's he was one. talking about because um, he's a former Australian prime minister and a Labour oh. a Labour oh. Party guy too, yes. through and through. Yeah. But he yeah. he said so clearly like, I've got to put my country before the party. And you guys have just lost the plot. Like you've made so many great decisions in the past, but on this, this is he he described it as the worst deal in all of history, because <laughs> Australia is paying three hundred and sixty to four hundred billion dollars. It works out at about thirty million dollars every day for the next thirty years to get eight nuclear-propelled submarines, 
And worse than that, it's, these are not even useful to, for the defence of Australia. They're only useful for sitting off the coast um, of China to try and contain China and prevent um, their second strike capability. Um, so that if, we, if nuclear war were to happen, it would stop China being able to respond um, to, to a nuclear <laughs> attack. So it's just got yeah. nothing to do with protecting Australia. It's got nothing to do with protecting New Zealand. In fact, it just ramps up militarism, makes the region more dangerous and kind of, yeah, puts a target on our countries as well. They're literally doing that parody video from Australia's juice media from maybe like uh, five, six years ago. You know, there was a famous uh, viral parody video where they 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 they, they do like the Australian uh, defense minister meeting and the, the Australian prime minister says, OK, what are we doing here? They say we're, we are, uh, you know, we're here to maintain an open and free Indo-Pacific. OK, but specifically, what are we doing here? It's like we are guarding our trade route. OK, our trade route. Who's our largest trading partner? China? Yeah, China. OK, so we're protecting our our trade route. With China? With from China. China. <laughs> from China and everybody nods like yes yes <laughs> and, and, and uh, the thing is so I just years ago I watched this uh, YouTube uh, uh, this uh, YouTuber with large following Johnny Harris who used to do Vox uh, explainer videos and he he t actually talked about this but except he was totally whitewashing uh, you know <laughs> the US involvement and and he he positioned as way oh we are Johnny Harris is American so he said we are giving away our nuclear secret technology to Australia for free and, and like people in his comments like no 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 we're Australian we're paying for this we're paying 365 billion dollars for this and and the the, the thing is it's not is it's totally not, uh, as Arama say, it's totally not for Australian defense. The whole deal is because Australia is buying these nuclear submarines, so Australia have to construct a port in uh, in, in in Perth in in Western Australia to accommodate these nuclear submarines. So while the after the port is built, you know, you will host U.S. nuclear submarines. So this is. This is a sneaky way for U.S. to get Australia to build a nuclear submarine base for them, you know, while paying for it, while paying for the privilege of hosting U.S. Sub nuclear submarine on their soil. I mean, it's 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 great deal for U.S. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, sure, they give up. I mean, but according to Johnny Harris, sure, they they gave the nuclear technology freely to Australia for three hundred sixty-five billion dollars, you know. Because uh, Australia won't get those uh, nuclear submarines until like 2030, right? And well, in the meantime, U.S. get to use and use a, use a, the naval base. But go ahead, go ahead, John. Do you, either of you guys remember? Because when this all started, the when AUKUS was first announced, I remember the the one party in the world that was really upset by it was France, because yeah. it was supposed to be fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> opportunity. I mean, that would have been a great brand. Very memorable. <laughs> uh, 
But do you know those details, Adama? Do you know, like, what happened? Like, well, Australia was going to buy submarines from France? Yeah, they were going to buy billion and billions and billions of dollars worth of submarines from, from France. And they were actually um, better submarines as well. Uh, <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, they just um, they just okay. announced the deal with um, with the U.S. without without letting France know. Yeah, so I France mean, were yeah really really angry about it. Yeah, it was uh, it was Australia. Though, right? <laughs> I still I still want focus though. I mean that's, that's just such a great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so originally Australia was supposed to buy these diesel submarines from France, conventional submarines without nuclear power. And and they had this deal ongoing for many years. Like Australia already paid a huge sum of money for those submarines. But US somehow convinced Australia to drop France and, and hook up with US. So so Australia is now on the hook to pay France reparation for reneging on the deal while paying even more for these nuclear submarines that won't get delivered until 2030 from U.S. In the meantime, Australia get to build this nuclear submarine base in Perth so the U.S. submarine uh, nuclear submarine fleet can park in Australia for free. I mean, basically, that 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 was the deal. But man, focus. That was Right. <laughs> We're all sad we missed out on that, aren't we? Yeah, one other thing to say about it um, in terms of like what's so new about it is that um, Australia is not a nuclear power, is not a nuclear power. They don't have um, any nuclear weapons of their own. And so they don't have the technology to actually maintain these submarines either. So that's why one of Paul Keating's points was that um, that it's a, an erosion of, of Australian sovereignty because they're, they're not going to, um, yeah, as, as Carl mentions, there's just going to be basically a, a US military base and, and US now being in control of their foreign policy even more. Um, yeah, but it's a violation of a, the Treaty of Rarotonga as well. So it goes against the kind of intentions of non-proliferation in that Australia has to increase its nuclear capabilities to be able to maintain these these um these submarines uh, and it, yeah it also I mean there's a lot of one of the big problems with the the Treaty of Rarotonga which precludes um, nuclear weapons but even storing or dumping nuclear materials um, and the, one of the loopholes is that the US is allowed to kind of store um, well they're allowed to like bring in ships or aircraft and just not declare whether or not there are nuclear warheads on them so there are already problems with this treaty but what Australia is doing is really kind of flying in the face of that and their regional commitments to because they're, they're a member of the um, Pacific Islands Forum as well so we're supposed to have Pacific-led foreign policy and yet this is you know just going back into these alliances with old colonial allies instead. Yeah and there's already there's already there's already a base uh, in Australia in Australia called Pine Gap where U.S. hosts its military assets and U.S. military has the full control over Pine Gap. So so the Australian journalists can't even ask questions about what's going on inside the base because that's a top secret. For U.S., it's classified. Australians are not supposed to know what's going on in there. Uh, but all this is is not enhancing Australia's uh, security, you know, as they claim. But on the contrary, it would just make Australia a target in, in, in the time of war. You know, if you host nuclear 
weapons, uh, uh, you know, uh, weapon platform that's capable, this nuclear uh, uh, missile capable. It, it's just going to make Australian a Australia a potential target in a, in a World War III scenario if, you know, U.S. goes crazy and, and decide to uh, blow this whole thing up. And I think, um, again, we're unfair to Canada because Canada is also trying to blow this whole thing up. And I think Canada should get its due here, you know, uh, for for its contribution to uh, potentially, you know, ending our brief, glorious tenure on, on this planet as human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada, Canada is Johnny come lately. Come on, you know Australia already got on with a program like from you know, you know from oh. back in 20, 2017. Uh, this is what uh, you know, I yeah. Go ahead. You you can go ahead, Carl. Oh yeah, no, no. So I I recently interviewed uh, Peter Lee, who is a you know China watcher, and he has been tracking uh, what U.S. Ha um, has been involved in Australia to fan the anti-China sentiment, you know, to prepare the Australian public to accept paying billions of dollars for U.S. weapon platforms. And starting from 2017 and maybe even earlier, uh, before prior to that, because China is Australia's largest export market, Australia's largest customers, China-Australian relationship has been pretty good. So the U.S. basically identify Australia as the weakest, you know, the weakest link in the Five I uh, network. The Five Eyes hey. is uh, the, the, the link. <laughs> and you're forgetting New Zealand, but carry on. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Everybody always sorry, forgets you. New Zealand, right? New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Australia need to be. <laughs> well, after Australia got slapped back in line, Canada became next, right? And and but but the the, the deal was they they started this whole uh, Chinese interference in Australian politics scare in Australia back in 2017, and that lasted pretty much till now, and and that act has done irreparable damage on the Australian China relationship. Uh, and 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 what I have been uh, you know amazed is how they just basically took that same model, and now they're doing it in your country, Justin, in Canada. Exactly. So so this is what amazing. So we started talking. Uh, we did an episode, Carl, a little while ago about the the China Canada like the China panic in the Canadian media because I was covering this and I was just totally like. Wow, is this ever are they do they ever want to get us all to hate China? Like they're so excited about this. And uh and it was like when you look at it, because I was I started to study it very carefully, and it was like very small, like there's like one source, maybe two, inside of the Secret Service of Canada, and they're leaking to two reporters at one newspaper and one reporter at another TV station and those reporters become like really important on the national scene because they have access to this to the secret leaker right the secret ceases leaker and the secret ceases leaker was like telling them that this politician met with the Chinese consulate and this politician said this and and they were at, by the way one of those guys Sam Cooper from global uh, television has left. <laughs> he has left to pursue other opportunities. 
nobody knows why, but one of the politicians that he said was responsible for keeping some kidnapped Michaels in, in jail in China um, sued him for defamation and the network for defamation to the tune of, I don't know, millions of dollars. And I think they... Well, anyway, they came to some agreement that, that Cooper would be, maybe we could watch for him on Substack or something. <laughs> anyway, Cooper's gone. But the other two are still there. Fife and Chase are still there at the Globe and Mail. But what amazed me was, you said, you were like, Justin, you know, this all has happened in Australia already in 2018. And then I looked at it. And then there's this book that came out by um, Bro David Brophy called China Panic. And I was like, oh, cool, China Panic. Like, someone's written about Canada. It's not about Canada. It's about <laughs> Australia. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, okay, so there's a secret service in Australia called ASIO, and they leaked their stories from... There was a leaker in ASIO, and they leaked stories to a, net, to a couple of journalists at networks, and then those leakers talked about Chinese interference, secret Chinese police stations, Chinese interference in research and science and stealing intellectual property and interference in politics. And then um, <clears throat> and then they had a inquiry, like Canada had this inquiry by this retired senator who was like, there's nothing here, sorry. <laughs> and, um, in Australia, the same thing. 2017, there was some inquiry by someone named John Garnell. Do you know this person, Aroma, by any chance? Okay. No. You're not that you don't have that granular no. expert in <laughs> internal Australian baseball. No, um, no, we don't have like the WeChat mind control <laughs> thing happening. <laughs> the Indo-Pacific. Uh, There's no other version. Waves. <laughs> so, uh, so then. Um, they did an inquiry, which remains classified to this day, apparently. So it probably says there was nothing there either, right? Otherwise, why would they declassify it? Um, there was so, but the, one of the most, um, one of the strongest things in uh, China Panic that I really liked about the book was he says, um, he says, you know, everybody is screaming about Australia's sovereignty the sovereignty of Australia being violated by China and sovereignty is being violated by China. And he's just like, that's really interesting because in Australia right now, there's a debate about indigenous sovereignty and about how all of Australia's land is actually indigenous land. And this whole thing about like Australia's sovereignty being violated by China is like a whole, a huge diversion from that debate, right? And that discussion and that's uh you know that that i thought that was like really good that he caught that because for me every time i hear like <laughs> these people talking about you know china interfering in canada i'm like what is canada though <laughs> like <laughs> are you talking about interfering in the project of colonizing and stealing indigenous land because that isn't that what <laughs> you know isn't that what canada is so i don't know are you, I mean, how does that, how does that question come up in your AUKUS tour? Uh, are you guys talking about that? Yeah, um, I think what, one thing that obviously we notice a lot and have to um, kind of get ahead of to help people recognize it is just the, obviously the greenwashing of, of militarism 
um, but also what we call sometimes here brownwashing, so brownwashed foreign policy, or brownwashed militarism. So, you know, every, you know, if they're going to build a massive, um, if, if we ever did get a nuclear submarine, it would probably be called Tangaroa, the god of the ocean or some oh, shit like that, you know. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they yeah, they do this whole thing about, you know, protecting our poor, poor natives and stuff. And, you know, you kind of see that in Taiwan as well, like people framing Taiwan is like an indigenous sovereignty movement or something, you know, and it's like, mm. we're not really hearing the voice of indigenous folks in Taiwan. And um, yeah, so. I, oh, I you care are... about indigenous folks in Taiwan, <laughs> do you? <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also just picking up on, because I think like this conversation is framed around Canada and, and Australia copying each other. So I don't have a lot to contribute to this conversation. I didn't do the homework. I didn't do the assigned reading. Sorry. But, reading. <laughs> but what, what I can provide, <laughs> what I can provide as the actual weakest link in Five Eyes. What I can provide is the really kind of, like we talked about how there's the copying of the copy of the copy. So by the time we do it, it's just really bumpkins, really bumpkin examples of all of these things. And Carl, I don't know if you saw this, but but New Zealanders are really, really upset with China because um, apparently China stole our kiwi fruit. Did you hear about that? <laughs> This what? Is, yes. Like, is this a in Australia? I mean, how did steal New Zealand's kiwi? Like, explain it to me. I mean, this is something brand new to me. I'm, okay, okay, I'm okay. willing to. Okay, this is just like so steeped in racism. So, um, <clears throat> so do you know what the kiwi fruit was originally called in, in the West? The the Chinese gooseberry. Uh, Chinese gooseberry. <laughs> Chinese gooseberry. Yeah. So it, it's a Chinese fruit that we stole fair and square. Okay. <laughs> so, so you know, China, you know, a civilization that's freaking thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Um, we go over there, we take this fruit, bring it back here, and then we develop our zespri freaking variation. So we have purple ones and yellow ones, and I think it's about the yellow ones. So some Chinese business person took some of the plants back and now China are growing these um, these fruit that have like trademark protections over them and stuff and New Zealand is outraged and when people point out the fact that these fruit came from China the response is no but we improved them this is this is our intellectual property so there's the assumption that for all of the thousands of years that this fruit existed in China no one made it better in any way so, um, so that that's New Zealand's contribution to China panic. <laughs> wow, wow, that, that's a, that's that's amazing to me because the kiwi fruit is actually native to where I'm from, the, my part of China in in the southwestern part, Sichuan. We we call it mihotao, which literally means monkey fruit. And and then it was uh, and and what I heard the story I heard how it got transfer transform. Uh, so so it was. Taken, it was transplanted to New Zealand, I think, in the early 20th century by by missionaries. And the story I heard how it became shifted, the name shifted from Chinese gooseberry to kiwi food, is because New Zealand they try to market it in United States, and 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 <laughs> and. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't, they, they, you know, they, they, they don't want to sell, you know, Chinese, nobody wants Chinese gooseberries. So, like, here, okay, but, but kiwi, you know, which is actually a bird indigenous to, uh, to New Zealand, they thought that was great branding for this, uh, for Chinese gooseberries. So, so that Chinese gooseberry became kiwi. That, that's the story. Um, but can wow. I, I, can I read you guys? I did not know there was a, such a, such a such a great debate controversy about kiwi <laughs> i want to read you guys some of the quote because brophy quotes this novel from 2019 called bruni and the plot of the novel is that um basically china takes is slowly taking over the land of australia starting with like and they deport the white people to like an island and, and, and so so one of the characters asks herself this she goes is this how the aborigines had felt i wondered all these foreigners arriving arriving and not leaving again taking up residence making homes in all the best places establishing their own rules making you beholden to them until you were worth nothing wow Wow. Well, I mean, like this is like this is like the projection. I mean, I I used to say like a lot of the talking points in the West about China is 100% projection, but yes. I did not expect to take it that far. I mean, like they're literally they they have to have to make themselves the victim. You know, it's it's they're the real victims here. You know, it's not the indigenous people uh, of Australia. It's them. They are victim of you know, potential possible Chinese invasion that may happen sometimes in the future. We don't know when, but they're definitely. So I watched this, um, I saw this uh, YouTube video from uh, John Mearsheimer. I don't know if you uh, like watch a lot of his stuff, but um, it was like, can China rise peacefully? Right. So, okay, cool. I'll check this out. And he, he comes out and he categorically says, no, it can't. And now I'm going to tell you why. And then he, to describe why there is no way that China could possibly rise peacefully, he his evidence is to look at what the U.S. have done since 1700. Oh, my <laughs> and God. he says, yeah. So he's like, oh. according to the way that he views it, like, you know, when they just want to like game it out, these yeah. strategic, yeah. these strategic studies guys, they love gaming things out. Yeah. And for them, they, they always come to the same conclusion. But but that's fucking coming from their own cultural frame, you know. Yeah. And um, he he says that he visits China a lot and he he shares his his theories on on um, you know strategic studies in China. And and the people that he meets meets there, they're like, oh, we're really really interested. But what about economic uh, econ- economic, um, oh, what was the phrase he used? Like codependence, basically, like economic yeah, yeah. prosperity for all. Yeah, like, what wait, about wait. that? Like, yeah. couldn't that be like how we approach this? And he's like, no. <laughs> Categorically. I came to China like, to tell you no. <laughs> yeah, John, John Mearsheimer is actually really, really good when he when he comes to analysis of America of US like cuz he understand how US works but the thing with a lot of Americans uh, you know talking about the rest of the world is they assume 
the U.S. value is, of course, a universal value, right? Like we all subscribe to the same set of, of rules. So this must be how everyone else thinks and how everyone else must act. And that, that's the premise. And, and you know, that, that's where and also I mean, also this whole fear of Australia being taken over by like some yellow horde. This this has been persisting since like its existence. Right. Because like and, and also I don't I just don't get it. There's a huge, there's a big country just, you know, between China and Australia. There's Indonesia, right? Like, how the hell is China going to lose lock over this gigantic continental science country, Indonesia, to invade Australia? I mean, like, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, just, just mind boggling. If the Chinese hordes are going to overflow, they're going to overflow into Australia. But, like, nobody ever, I mean, into Indonesia, into Indonesia, but nobody ever thinks of that, like, because it shows you how racial it, that would just be yellow people spilling over onto yellow people. So that doesn't even. Yeah. Really happen, right? yeah. Well, <laughs> there's another there's another thing um, about Mearsheimer where like he gave a speech to Australians, right? Where he was like, I feel kind of bad for you because, you know, it would make sense for you to, to have good relations with China, but we're not going to let you. So too bad. Have you guys seen that one? You, you've been watching yeah, yeah. Mearsheimer. He's got a speech, uh, like, I don't know about two, like, Australian, like, elites or something, where he's just like, yeah, he's he's laughing about it. He thinks it's hilarious. He's just like, yeah, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, it would be really great if you guys could just uh, take China's side. But, uh, of course, we're not going to let you do that. Yeah, he said, you, 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 will, you will see how nasty we can be as Americans. And, and everybody in the audience just like cackle like very nervously, like uh, because they understand that's that's the truth. I mean, he's speaking the truth. The, the U.S. would actually carry out on its threat of keeping Australia in line. And and, uh, you know, now now that they have they have done and they have caucus now 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 it's Canada's turn, Justin. It's, it's yeah. Canada's turn to join the caucuses, the, the, the Caucasian. <laughs> well, also the, so the other thing they do is there. So there's this quote. Um, he's kind of quoting like some other racist brophy is. And he says Aust- the, the person he's quoting says Australians need to set aside their xenophobia phobia. <laughs> and get on with tackling the CCP. So, and that's like the China thing too, right? The China thing in Canada, they're like Canadians are like like the the these two reporters. It's like some somebody somebody made a joke on Twitter where they were like, all the people that are trying to stir a, a panic a China panic in Canada could fit into a phone booth. <laughs> like it's an incredibly small number of people, and they're all just screaming as loud as they can, and nobody in nobody in Canada really gets it. Everybody's just like, well, what, we're supposed to hate China now? Why? They manipulate what? our elections, <laughs> but our elections are between <laughs> the same two jerks. Like, what? What do we? They they have the same policies. They all do the same things. Like, what? What? What difference does China make? <laughs> That that's a that's a good that's a good observation because uh, right now in U.S. you know of course it's election season so anti-China rhetoric is all the you know that's the latest fashion and and there there are two presidential candidates right now they're basing their entire presidential uh, campaign platform and on the anti-China rhetoric and talking about Nikki Haley and uh, Ra- and uh, and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. 
Now, oh, th- these wait, guys... Can I just interrupt you? Because that's also... brown. You mentioned brownwashing, Arama, and brownwashing in Canada oh, is like Indian people bashing China in the name of Canadian values. So it'll be oh, like, it'll be like they're invading our democracy and they're interfering in our government. And then the name of the guy is like Singh or like Ramachandran or something. I even forgot Nikki Haley is Indian because she, you know, she changed her names. And, 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 but, but, but she, she, she um, it's, but it's interesting because Nikki Haley and, and, um, and, and Vivek, they, despite their rhetoric, if you look at their actual polling numbers, they're in single digits. So like even all these anti-China rhetoric, which they hope they could propel them into the next next level in their presidential election, it's not helping. It's not helping because, um, well, of course, because right now every other U.S. politician is also anti-China. So how do you distinguish yourself, right? <laughs> And so, you know, really anti China. Yeah. Yeah. There's also like anti indigenous intellectuals who have taken up the China panic. So it's like there's this kind of nexus of like you're a public intellectual in Canada whose like job is to question the existence and the oppression of indigenous people or Australia. And so I was, it's just like the parallels are incredible. So we have this guy named Thomas Flanagan who wrote a book called Aboriginal Rights and Wrongs. And his whole thing is like to go back over history and be like, well, there were not as many native people as you think. They uh, all they did they killed each other a lot. Most of the bad stuff that happened, they did to themselves. Blah blah. Yeah, you know all of the. He just combines all of that. And then it, and then I discovered that there's also like a Keith Windshuttle in Australia, who uh, who wrote a book called The Fabrication of Aboriginal History. So it's it really is like. There's like a meeting somewhere where they like, you know, they're like, okay, have you have you got one of these guys? <laughs> have you got two reporters? Have you got two networks? <laughs> you know, and uh, and they just go down the line. And um, even the percentages of Aboriginal people in prison is the same. So like in Australia, 28% of the prison population uh, is Indigenous and they're 3% of the Australian population, supposedly, by according to their statistical body. And it's 4% in Canada and 28% of the prison population. Where it's like, did they decide in advance how many... Like, I don't know. It's just the, the way the numbers come out, it's like... Yeah, it's across all settler colonies, eh? It's just, yeah. you know, one way of dispossessing people is to keep them in prison. Yeah. But how do they get the percentage so exact? Like... <laughs> You know, that, What's the this, calculus? Is what, <laughs> this is what makes me a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's definitely two, this kind of convergence of um, like anti-China and anti-Indigenous racism mm-hmm. here as well. Um, oh. Recently, because um, we, as I say, like we do this watered down bump conversion of what's happening elsewhere. <laughs> so um, elsewhere, there's like all of these um, concerns around foreign interference with elections. Here, and anytime there's a campaign donation um, from a Chinese person, it kind of becomes suspicious. suspicious. Uh, well, our race relations commissioner was, a, he's whew, a very interesting person. His story is quite fascinating. He, he rose to 
national um you know awareness through his role as as a the the mayor of a small town uh so he's a chinese man ming fun is his name um and it was a very uh like half of the population there is maori and he was the first mayor in new zealand who could speak te reo maori our native language so he kind of used maori culture to progress his own political career and then he became race relations commission after and i mean like for me people go like oh wow we've got a maori speaking mayor but for me it's just it's (laughs) it's messed up we'll just put it that way it's completely messed up that the first person who could speak maori who managed to be a mayor was not maori um especially given the fact that he's probably about 10 percent of all all Chinese people who can speak Māori. So you've got a you've got a one in ten chance of being a mayor if you're Chinese and you can speak Tereo Māori in New Zealand, I think. Um, right. Yeah. So anyway, he, he was our race relations commissioner, and um, he gave some uh, like a campaign donation to a Māori um, political candidate, and she ended up being his boss, and he didn't declare that. And so this like this is not a story right this is not a story um but this became like this national story because there were two racialized people so it was easy to just kind of um you know hate on both of them and then he also didn't declare something else and he had to resign as as our our first race relations commissioner for as long as i can remember and maybe ever i'm not sure who was not white and he got fired or had to resign under these, you know, I would say unfair because he was placed under unfair scrutiny. Uh, but there was no race relations commissioner to say that it was racist because he had just resigned. <laughs> yes, that's right. Who did he get a reply to? It's like in U.S., right? We say, oh, U.S. has no corruption. We just have campaign financing, right? Mm-hmm. But as soon as a Chinese person to, to participate in the campaign financing, we suddenly woke up, oh, my God, that's corruption. That is corruption and election interference, right? When everybody else does it, it's fine. It's just campaign financing. And but what election, is yeah, – oh, go ahead. Go, go. No, you go, you go, you go. I was just going to say, and what's so – interesting as well often when you actually look at what is happening like in this particular case it was happening um there's like this cultural reason why why chinese people in new zealand will donate to political candidates and they usually donate to both sides and in this case they donated to both sides but that is just kind of left out of the story um until like you know a few days later when everyone's kind of forgotten or they just keep going back to the original headline even though we now know no he actually this is not showing that he's politically biased because he he donated to both sides of the aisle yeah with canada that's that's actually a feature yeah that's actually a feature not a bug that that's oh they they come out with some outrageous story you know like some Mm. china bad story and and then like a like a maybe a month later after that that original story has already gone viral become a mean uh like like the china china social credit story right everybody now know about china social credit (laughs) And yeah, right on the Bible, and then after after like a few months, there's a disclaimer. Oh, actually, that's a non-story. But nobody read the disclaimer because the, the, the disclaimer is not the one that's to get decimated widely. So everybody remembers the original report, which is totally bogus. And and that's how they work. Uh, I mean, they can st- the, the media still claim, oh, we we done our due diligence. Look, we you know we, we report a story and then we 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 follow up on it. But but in in 
actuality, they're just propagandizing to the public. You know, that they the public only remembers the the first misreporting, and 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 then that's all people know. You know spy balloons, and now U.S. is saying, oh, there's no, <laughs> there's no, there, the spy balloon actually didn't spy. So yeah. isn't it just a balloon? But it's still, yeah, <laughs> just exactly. a, a regular... <laughs> it's a weather balloon. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. But- I want to talk about the media a little bit more, um, but there was there was a point about um, oh, I lost it, but it was it, it, like in Canada, yeah, in Canada there was this increasing desperation where they reported they they were like, well, the Chinese consulate, someone in the Chinese consulate, paid for a bus that brought Chinese senior citizens to polling booths on election day. And everyone was like, okay, oh. we don't care. <laughs> right? So so they were just like, well, okay, okay, if you don't care about that, how about this? Uh, and then eventually it got to the point where they were like, uh, this uh, liberal politician told China to detain these, host- these uh, arrested Canadians longer so that it would help the liberal party electorally. And then it was that was the thing that, that the guy sued over because he was like he was like first of all that makes no logical sense in any world um, and second of all I didn't do that so uh, I'm I'm gonna sue you and then the the newspaper uh, I, I don't think it was the newspaper it was Globe that reported it they eventually said well we're not we didn't mean they're trying to say like we reported that the person said it. Like, we're reporting that the CSIS guy said that. We're not reporting that it happened. They're trying to get out of it that way. It's <laughs> just like... So yeah, it's like, when I first, when I first heard that story, I'm like, why Why would China support Liberal Party? Why would China support the, you know, the Trudeau? You know, why would, he choose, why would China support Trudeau's party? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you've got some. You've got some. You've got a China panic in in the New Zealand media too, a little bit. Oh, it was a Russia panic. Oh, uh, Russia panic. Those yeah. are just as good. <laughs> oh, Those are good. I guess too. A, yeah, there's a China panic too. Um, well, I think it's just interesting because like um, you know, people point out they write stories about how um Chinese media in New Zealand is um just full of propaganda for the CCP. Carl, what, what, why should we be saying CPC? Can you explain that to me? And then I'll get back. Um, yeah, so, so the official name is the the Communist Party of China. Um, I, I guess, uh, but some, I don't, I, I actually, I don't think, I don't understand what the difference is. The other one that which uh, the critics like to use is CCP, which is Chinese Communist Party. Um, but but you know so so pe- some people object because uh, everyone use CCP almost like as a derogatory term now so so there are yeah. people objecting using CCP and re- they say they should use the official name which is CPC the official name is Communist Party of China rather than Chinese Communist Party that, that's okay so thing, so the people who would talk about this story then would definitely say that the New Zealand Chinese media is. Uh, just full of propaganda for the CCP. Um, and, um, <laughs> um, the, yeah, and then also recently there was this big story. The headline was pretty much saying, there's a Russian spy in our national broadcaster, the Radio New Zealand, RNZ. Um, 
um, because somebody had discovered that um, some of the like international stories that were coming through were being edited slightly. And it was framed in the media as though this was outrageous. You're not allowed to touch the text of these stories that come through, but you absolutely are allowed to. You just have to like put it in the byline or something. Um, and but that, yeah, and and what he was doing was he thought that he was changing the stories in a way that would make it more relevant to New Zealand readers or you know more in line with what New Zealand readers would be expecting. So they were tiny, tiny. They were so tiny that it took someone in the US two years to even notice that he had done it a few times. I think there were like. I don't know, a couple of dozen instances of it or something. But this is making, this is like, there are people out there today who would have seen the headline who would genuinely believe that there is a Russian spy and our national broadcaster who's been changing stories. And even worse than that, it just completely obscures, or the, the starting point of that argument is that this international news that we're receiving is not biased, you know? Right. <laughs> It's pure, clean. All right, guys. It's a it's a official Russian propaganda channel now. Oh, okay, this is my art. <laughs> I got paid. This is my pay for Putin. <laughs> this is what I collected for my RT appearance. <laughs> a coffee mug. <laughs> that is good. That is good. That is so good. Okay, so where are your, where's your tour going next, Arama? Tell us about the rest of your tour. Oh, yeah. So the next thing that we've got is a, is a two-day workshop for history teachers. So oh. we're going to teach them how to, well, we're going to work with them to talk about the best ways of, of teaching the nuclear-free and independent Pacific movement, because they often, the way that it's usually framed is really whitewashed as a history of, of, yay, New Zealand stepped in and became nuclear-free and saved the Pacific. And they forget the independent part of the nuclear-free and independent Pacific movement, um, which is about you know, a decolonial movement. And um, we're actually starting that on the on the day, the anniversary of the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior. I'm not sure if that's something that's known around the world, but the Rainbow Warrior was a Greenpeace vessel that would sail into the Pacific. It was being used to oppose um, testing of nuclear weapons that... You know, there are still many, many people today who carry the legacy of those tests um, in, in their, you know, really poor health outcomes. Um, people, you know, having uh, babies with defects or who, who weren't able to survive. Just really, really horrific things. The, the Pacific is still poisoned from that time. But anyway, the Rainbow Warrior, this Greenpeace vessel, had been used for that. And um, French secret <clears throat> agents came and bombed it. And it actually killed... A Portuguese photographer named Fernando Pereira. And so, um, yeah, so the first day of our little workshop coincides with that um, anniversary. And so we'll be having a commemoration after the first day um, for um, for the sinking of the Rainbow Warrior. Um, and yeah, we're trying to invite different people from different movements together to kind of connect our local struggles with the broader regional movement for a nuclear-free and independent Pacific. Um, and then we've got, we're heading down to Christchurch. We've got this amazing anti-fascist um, hero of mine, Cena Brown Davis, who will be speaking in Dunedin. And then we're heading back to, to Wellington to close off the tour. And we've already had some invites from um, cities Tauranga and also from Christchurch. So we, we, we may have to extend our tour because we're so popular already. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And you should oh, record oh, all this then, for your future podcast, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you should record okay, all these. Okay, talks. for the record, there's no future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, see. 
we but will as see. we as we're taking our tour on the road doing these serious speaking events in the evenings we're dressing up as orcas against orcas so it's orcas against orcas only oh, nice. works in the new zealand accent i think so don't don't try that don't try saying that at home but we're um, so yeah, in the evenings we're 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 arguing with with drunkards about orcas and <laughs> educating the people in in the old way. Like you know, we part of what we're doing is we're we're putting our old old school activists who had awesome successes in the the sixties and seventies with their movements and the eighties, and putting them in a conversations with the the new up and coming activists today. And they always say the our older generation always tell stories of going to the pubs to taking petitions into the pubs, and and the story usually includes um, I only got punk in the face once <laughs> so, so we haven't been punched yet i hope that doesn't happen but but yeah i think i think there's something to be said about arguing with drunk people about your, <laughs> about your geopolitics yeah. yeah okay uh that is great and so all of our uh all of our pacific uh, listeners should go to should go to this tour right regardless of of uh you know oh yeah you could yeah. yeah if you oh our kopapa is called uh sorry our um our uh, project is called Matika Hawaiki, so Matika means uh, rise, so rise Hawaiki, and Hawaiki is our ancestral homeland. Um, so yeah, if, if people are here, they'll they'll be able to Google Matika Hawaiki and and find us that way. Awesome. Okay, before we go, Carl, should we talk about a couple of these visits? Janet Yellen, Joseph Borrell. Janet Yellen says oh. there's going to be consequences if China doesn't reform, right? I'm sure China's yeah, I mean, shaking in their boots. It's uh, it's interesting because I'm I'm I wonder what they say in the private because what has been released to the public with the, the Jenna Yellen's public speech during the China visit is that China should not uh, you know China should abide by the the, the free market rules right that the the, the, the the she's talking about the latest Chinese restriction on the rare earth elements that's used to make uh, semiconductor chips right which is a response to the U.S. sanction on China, the, the semiconductor advanced semiconductor chip sanction on China. But Janet Yellen is saying, look, China, you don't get to do this. But then in the next sentence, you said, well, U.S. reserves the rights to, you know, we, we actually want to do business with China. We don't want to interrupt the trade. But but we have you know, we have to reserve the right to uh, limit our export based on national security reasons. So what she's essentially saying, U.S. is right to to restrict semiconductor sale to China. But China should not should not restrict the sale of rare earth elements that used to make the semiconductors, which is completely ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> I, love, uh, I, love I mean, like. I love two things about that. The first thing I love about it is how like the the free market is the best and most efficient system, but it's cheating when China doesn't use the free market <laughs> and it's it's an unfair advantage. But if the market's the best, there shouldn't be a way to get an unfair advantage by planning or or interfering with the market, right? And then the other one, the other thing I love about it is how the US military industrial complex needs uh, stuff from China to fight China. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I think it was Lockheed Martin or someone, right? Where they were like, we can't, uh, we can't, we can't do our, we can't make stuff without Chinese parts and metals. <laughs> it's gonna be weird. Yeah. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be a weird war when it finally happens. 
Um, and then the other one is Borel. I'm just so tickled. I don't know if you saw this, Arama, but like, you know the guy, you know the guy from the European Union who said the rest of the world is a jungle and the West is a is a garden. And, you know, sometimes the garden has to go to the jungle, otherwise the jungle will overgrow the garden or whatever. So he was going to go to China, and China just canceled the trip. They didn't even say why. They were just like, yeah, maybe maybe later. <laughs> just, well, just like... <laughs> well uh, Joe, Joseph Borrell, though, he's, he's also on record of saying that European <clears throat> European military needs to send their warship into Taiwan Strait. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably the comment that really tickled off Chinese government. It's like, why, why, well, why are you coming here? <laughs> why should we listen to you? <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Well, this is yeah. this was fun, you guys. Can we do this again? Will you come back? Yeah. Let's- Let's make a regular ca- caucuses. <laughs> can we can we get someone from France? <laughs> yeah, we need to. Oh, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I also don't know anybody in France, honestly. Well, um, yeah, it's a bit too far for me to rip there too. Sorry. So. <laughs> but, Any yeah. French people? Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. So. We need you. Allons-y. Allons-y, chéris. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. I guess.